podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to episode 30 of the Disney Watch Podcast. Last week I took a, a young break, but none of that stuff anymore. We're going to be back to a regular schedule of weekly podcasts. Thank you for tuning in. Shout out to people listening on iTunes. Please subscribe and give a five-star review if you think it's five stars. Or write a nice comment. It helps me. So please do that. And for those on listening to SoundCloud, give a young follow. At least that way it'll come to your feed naturally anyway. But yeah, episode 30. What's this one about? It's just me on my own this time. And I'm going to give you more of a beginner's guide onto how people abuse the financial market. The financial market is just like any other market. It's a marketplace. We have buyers and sellers. But in this in this particular market, what they buy and sell is financial securities, commodities. And these are stuff like people sell oil commodities, people sell um, stocks, people sell bonds. So like basically stuff that these clever financial um, people then create to be able to swap money about and make some profit. So yeah, that is a financial market. So, as of any market, there can be abuse. And some smart people, or bad people, however you want to describe them, know their way around the system and know how to abuse. So, before that, let me give you a bit of backend information on how things work. So in the markets, as in any market, you buy stuff when it's cheap, you sell stuff when it's high. That's how you make, that's how you make money. So now when you sell high, you can also buy low. That's called shorting. Timing in markets is key. That's how people make money. When they buy and sell at the right time, they make money off the margins. In the market, you need to know the direction things are going and in what time frame. You want to work out what is the underlying demand or what's the underlying supply. And if you work that out, that's how you can make your money. So if you look at the demand factors, stuff... Demand is also driven by events. So you may have heard, for example, when there was Brexit, the pound crashed, stocks went down. When there was 9-11, stocks went down. So like these type of massive events causes a change in demand. Company results. Let's say um, Dysonomics Holdings, let's say I announce I have fantastic results. The price of my shares will go up because people are, okay, this company's doing big. Let me get involved. If I announce that we've had record losses, people are trying to get rid of my shares because they're thinking, yeah, having shares in this company ain't as valuable. Or maybe competitor results. So let's say if my ops are making, having good results, that's going to have an impact on um, what's going on. News reports is another thing that could change demand. So let's say uh, BBC has a report on something going on in, let's say, Barclays like something really bad is going on in Barclays, they may get a massive fine, then you're likely to see some impact in their um, stock price. Politics, Brexit, for example, that could change the natural, natural disaster. Uh, we recently saw like the um, hurricanes in the United States and the Caribbean, um, the tsunami um, in Asia not too long ago, that can have a massive impact on um, stock, stock prices. Also, reports and hearsay. So, 
if people are hearing um, a young rumor here and there, it can cause volatility. So e- even fake news can, like if you hear something and it's going around the trade room, traders may act upon that before confirming it. And and you say, why would you act on news before com- confirming it? If you move first, you're more likely to make the money. So if you, okay, let's say the rumor was, uh, um, Dysonomics Holdings is about to fire Mr. Dysonomics because he was, I don't know, caught money laundering or something, something crazy like that. If you hear that news, you think, okay, cool. If I sell early before everybody else, I'll make the most money. But that can also be incorrect and you may, you may um, flop. Also, I think what herd instinct. If somebody's moving in force in one direction, like let's say I've just decided, oh, okay, I heard something and then I've just put a massive order on, I don't know, Maggie stocks. So Maggie's a seasoning <laughs> that many of you know. And let's say they have um, shares. I just bought one million Maggie shares or something crazy. I spent one million dollars on shares of Maggie. People walk around and say, rah, that's a big order. He must know something. Otherwise, he wouldn't do that if he didn't know something. And then people will follow on in that type of instance. That's a herd instinct. So those are some of the factors that can help um, change what's going on in the markets. So in terms of how you can abuse the markets or how people abuse the markets, and let me not even try to do advertisement for people to abuse because God is watching. The first method is foresight. That is knowing what's going to happen before it actually does. Of course, if you know what's happening before it does, you can make make money. So, for example, let's say this will ret- um, retain to a particular security or a particular issue of a, sec- of a security. The information has to be specific and precise. So, you know that this information is certain. You have to know the timing. Okay, what? When is this going to happen? You have to know what product it is. It, ha- it can't be made public because if it's public, everybody will know. And if it was public or have a significant impact on, se- on the price of security, this makes it inside information. So I'm, for those who've watched Billions or maybe Suits, you've probably heard of inside information to do with trading and stuff like that. This tends to come via leaks. We've all heard of leaks like in football there's always leaks from football clubs. Oh, Rooney did this or Ozil did that. Um, leaks, and we've heard of leaks in terms of music, like albums leaked early, and I used to love that ish. <laughs> but yeah, so back on topic. If we're talking leaks, leaks could come from a variety of places. Companies. If you know somebody in a company, let's say I know somebody in Coca Cola, and they know their Q2 results, Q2, so that second quarter of 2017 results before everybody else, they could slide me information that I can make actions on the market. Professional services firms, they could they could also know. So that's that's like lawyers. So let's say if I'm working on the um, on a file as a lawyer for I don't know Deloitte, I can know information. I can slide it up to somebody. Brokers and intermediaries. So these are like the people who connect the transactions from buyers and sellers. They know who wants to buy. They know who wants to sell. They know what who wants and who are these people. So they can be the leaks. Political sources, they could be the leaks. The press, they could be the leaks. Or investment bankers, the people who are on the front lines, they could be the leaks. Funny enough, this was made in, 19, in 1980, this was made illegal. So that's why we see inside information as dodgy. It was made illegal in the 1980s. But nobody got prosecuted by the, uh, by the Financial Services Authority 
in, until 1995. So for 15 years, even though it was illegal, people were still doing the matting. This was also made illegal in the, in the United States of America in the 1970s. In the 1990s, it had its unlimited jail time. So you can get any <laughs> any sentence if you're doing this dodgy stuff. But in the UK now, the maximum jail time is seven years. A recent case is a, is a um, former Perella Winberg investment banker called Sean Stewart. He got jailed for inside training for three years. He worked at Perella Winberg. He worked at JP Morgan. And he was sentenced for three years. Um, he apparently was given his um, father information from t- from 2011 to 2014 about five mergers. So if he's given information about mergers, obviously his dad can make a flip. So he's going to serve one year of home detention for the release from prison as well. And he's ordered to pay a $7,500 fine, which is not that much. The statement apparently enabled the elder Stuart to make $1.16 million. So if that's how much money my man's making off the, off the Fugazi behaviour, he got, yeah, he got jail time, but he's only paying seven and a half grand for it. <laughs> I wonder how many people take three years of jail time for $1.16 million. But we don't go there. But anyway, yeah. In the, but in the UK, the maximum jail time is um, for seven years if you look at takeover announcements in 2016 so last year 20 percent of uk trades were deemed suspicious that's because that's more likely to do with what i was mentioned earlier when people have the information when they know when they have done their googles they're sliding information to their boys to their to their female compatriots whoever it may be and they're trying to make flips of it so one in five of you of of takeover announcements in 2016 in the uk Suspicious trades were going on. In the last five years, 14 individuals have gone gone to jail or, or been prosecuted, sorry, for insider trading. So, but if you look at the previous five years, the number was zero. So it seems like right now there's a, been, there's a larger crackdown on this issue. And I think obviously after the financial crisis in 2007-8, naturally there's going to be way more stringent behaviour from the governing bodies when it comes to financial markets. You can't buy foresight. However, you can buy information. For example, if you look at somebody called Tom Hayes, who was a former trader for um, UBS, a Swiss bank, and Citigroup, American bank, he was actually sentenced for 14 years for doing the matting in the financial markets. Like he was doing these, what he called, they dubbed them curry deals. So basically he will get information. So in return, he'll trade with the brokers. Yeah. Okay. And this is how it works. There's like, there's like three main ways of how this type of madness works. Yeah. So let me give you the first one. Wash trade. So let's say for example, this is me. I'm doing it. Yeah. So I go to the bad guy. Okay. Let's call the bad guy person, person, broker X. There has to, we want to um, swap information, yeah? I buy 100 shares using his brokerage. Obviously, when you make transactions, when you make trades, the brokerage will earn some money off the transaction. So that's commission. So I buy 100 IBM shares, he eats commission. I autom- I immediately sell them again, sell them straight away. So I sold 100 IBM shares after I just bought them, he eats commission again. So the trader don't lose me because I've got information 
Broker X don't lose because he's he's eating commission not once but twice. How this works is the banks don't notice because it doesn't affect their PL profit or loss. Because the money's come in to buy the share, the money money's gone out to buy the shares, but the money's come back in when I sold the shares. But they do lose because they paid commission twice for no real reason. Okay, the second way is wraps. I buy a hundred IBM. Then I say no, I buy a thousand. Then okay, cool. I sell one thousand, one hundred. Then I sell fifty, until I ended up at the hundred, the hundred share, which I really wanted to buy in the first place. But in that period of time, he's been eating commission of all the transactions of no buying a thousand, no selling a hundred, no selling fifty, no selling twenty-five. So every every single time I make a transaction, he's making money of the commission and the information has been swapped. So we both win. There's another thing called off-market pri- um, pricing. The broker determines the price. And the deal is done that's not even at market price. So obviously the broker wins, and I win, because it's again, he's making his money, I'm getting information. To detect, to, de- to detect this will take some serious manpower and technology, because there's literally thousands of trades. You have to audit a bunch of transactions investment banks go through like 90,000 trades per day so imagine you have to audit 90,000 trades not per month not per year per day you feel me so that's why it's hard to hard to detect another way you can abuse a financial market is by front running so for example I want to buy $200 million of US government debt. Obviously, people buy, if you don't know, people buy um, debts from governments because they see governments as more safe, less likely to default on their debts. That's why they have a lower um, interest rate than other borrowing because they're more likely to pay back and they, have, and, they, and they tend to have better credit ratings. Anyway, so I want to buy $200 million of US government debt. I see what my I see what my clients on. So I do my little order in first quietly, telling my friend, like, yeah, this is what's gonna happen. Then I do my client's order, I execute my client's order. That's hard to track. Because you can't track an individual's spread betting account. Like I I can have an IGN account, I could do my little trade, and then I do my then I go and do my individual trades, and then I go and do my client's big trade. You see what I'm saying? So it's very, very difficult to track this. So those are the two, that is, those are two um, kind of like methods. Those are two, oh, sorry, it's two ways that you could use a market via foresight. Basically knowing what's going to happen before it does. The second way is market manipulation. So itself knowing what's going to happen before it actually happens, you're making things happen. An example of this is a gentleman called Iraj Parvizi, apologies if I get his name wrong, who went from a kebab shop to stock market riches and he described as the mad punter. So basically, yeah, he got done he got done fairly recently, I think like last year. What he did, yeah, was he invested in penny stocks. So penny stocks are stocks whose share prices are less than a dollar. He'll invest in these stocks, yeah, and then he will gas it up. He'll be like, this company is going to bust. I'm telling you, bro. 
if you invest in this company, fam, I promise you, you'll be doing ER. You're going to blow. You're going to make so much dough. Yeah? So, he'll do that. And then people jump on the wave. And then he'll make money because he'll sell. So, so for example, he'll buy for like 33p. Gas it, gas it, gas it. Loads of people will get involved buying it. So, it becomes more valuable. And then he'll be able to sell the same amount of stock he bought for 33p for 59p. And obviously, if you're buying these stocks in bulk, you're making a healthy profit. This guy was a borderline genius in his methods. Like, he will phone up the Daily Mail, the Financial Times. He will go to shareholder meetings and lie. <laughs> he will just lie, lie, lie. He once made a flip here off kebab grease, yeah? He bought it from 2, 2p a share to 18p a share. A total worth of 70, he made 70 M's. A real, 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 real finesse. Okay, so that is one method. Another method is spoofing. So remember I mentioned herd instinct before. You see somebody going in one direction, going hard in one direction. You think they must know what they're doing. Otherwise, they won't go so hard in this direction. So we're going to jump on a wave so we can go chop the same, same money. So you rely on herd instincts, yeah? You put an unfeasible large order so big yeah that nobody can move quick enough to fill your order let's say i want to buy a hundred million shares in i don't know digital holdings or something like that so the order's so big that you can't execute it straight away because of it's the broker can't execute the order straight away because it's that big everybody runs towards that because they've seen them they've seen the moves in the market so everybody's thinking okay something must be going on if you're gonna buy 100 million shares in dysonomics yeah so as everybody's running towards running to their brokers to do the same thing as you, you quietly withdraw it. Because it hasn't been executed yet, you can still withdraw the take. So you quietly say, okay, cool, I'm withdrawing it. So nobody will notice. You could do that in privacy. I'd be like, ah, oh, you man, my bad, it was a typo. I didn't mean to do it. Yeah? And that's how you can make some change. For example, City, they got charged with spooping foreign exchange markets, so that's buying and selling currencies, and they got fined $25 million, which is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And finally, I'm going to explain LIBOR. LIBOR is the interest rate at which a big bank will lend to each other. And it's mad because LIBOR is determined, which is an interest rate, by a small group of bankers who go in a closed room and they determine how it's fixed. Banks had actually thrown up their reps ahead of time to ask, to ask them to lower or hire them in their favour. Banks would even clue, like, okay, cool, what are you man saying? Like, what? Maybe like a WhatsApp group. What, are we going to lower the thing? Are we going to hire the thing? Kind of, you know, make it beneficial for them. So remember I mentioned Tom Hayes before? He was active. I mentioned he got 14 years. I think he got appealed down and he's now 11 years. I think he's trying to appeal the thing again to try and get out. He got caught... He got a call from HM Treasury and Barclays Treasury saying that, you know what? Barclays could do the markets being a bit on the lower side. So that's how they were doing these manipulations. And if you type in LIBOR, there's been, I'm sure you might have seen it probably, maybe you have seen it, but probably just didn't take it in. There's been, even to this day, there's still quite a lot of LIBOR scandals going on. 
another method is foreign exchange manipulation. Because it's foreign exchange currencies, it could be traded at any time you like, any time of day. There's something called the Reuters 4pm fix. So between 3.59pm and 4.01pm, looking at every foreign exchange currency, every foreign currency exchange rates and they across the day and they take an average. And that's the number of the day for exchange rates. If you slap it, bear orders at 3.59, you can react at 4.01 and make money. So this can happen to any benchmark. So yeah, those are a few of the ways that traders and financial institutions can abuse the financial markets. I thought maybe let me give some information about how some of these big players can do some pretty pretty sneaky and dodgy stuff. So yeah, any anybody who would like me to explain it further or give me more information, hit me up on my Twitter, Dysonomics. Um, I'm also you can also email me hello at dysonomics.com. Thank you for listening. Please um follow on SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, give a five-star review. Flip this money, then we stack it up. Burning bridges, niggas acting up. She on my body like I'm tied up. I ain't seen nobody bad as hard. I ain't seen nobody bad as hard. I'ma get this money, I'ma grab it up. I've been stacking, I've been stacking. Just wait till I pattern up. Pattern up. Flip this money, then we stack it up. Burning bridges, niggas acting up. She on my body like I'm tied up. I ain't seen nobody bad as hard. I ain't seen nobody bad as hard. I'ma get this money, I'ma grab it up. Sports Social Podcast Network.